Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Today's program is a great program that we can look forward to. In fact, it's not just one, but today's program is the first of a two-part program. We're looking at making your committees, your church boards, more effective every meeting. Our special guest today is Dr. Lowell Cooper. Lowell, thanks so much for joining us on Ministry Thank you. in Motion. It's a privilege. Now, Lowell, you've had a lot of experience with boards and committees as a vice president of the General Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. You're on a number and you, you chair a number of these boards. Just briefly, tell us a little about these boards. Well, first of all, I would want to say that chairing a board or a committee is a learning experience. Uh, you're always the student. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've been uh, the chair of the boards at Loma Linda, the Academic Health Science Center for the Seventh-day Adventist Church, of uh, Pacific Press, uh, a number of committees that operate here at the World Headquarters that deal with various aspects of policy, uh, for instance, or budgets and so forth. Committee life right. is part of leadership life. Exactly. And in the local church, I presume you're on the local church board as well and yes. various committees. Yes, yes indeed. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you've got a, a rich history in understanding committees and boards and so forth. Yeah. Now, Lowell, um, the Adventist church, the, the, the place of committees and boards is really central in so many ways. Yes, it is. that with us. Yeah. It is uh, because we have built our polity and our which, what would I say, our distribution of authority is in such a way that committees, groups, uh, let me put it that way, groups have more authority than individuals. Every individual leader in the Seventh-day Adventist uh, faith community is accountable to a group. Now, there are other forms of polity, other, dis other patterns uh, by which authority is distributed in an organization and some of our other faith communities uh, in Christianity use other patterns. But for us, we have chosen the authority in a group. Okay, why is that? What are some of the benefits of that? Well, I think uh, one of the strong benefits would be that there is a sense of participation and inclusion mm -hmm. that is built into the membership so that uh, people who are part of a local church sense that they have a part in the decision-making of that local church. Right. So they're in included and involved, and the, the benefits, of course, filter through to the, the, the rest of the denomination. Okay, the, the rest of the, the larger group, the, I the think, church. I think there's also the idea of um, avoiding avoiding the excesses of one-person leadership, yeah. the idea of the exercise of power. Yeah. Um, I think Christian leadership uh, really revolves around the point that it's not about power and control. Mm -hmm. It's about helping people to live into a higher sense of purpose. Right, okay. And there are, there are plenty of New Testament examples of these, aren't, aren't there, mm -hmm. where the, the, the group decision is, is very clear. Yes. For example, Acts 15. With oh, the, that's, with the, the, that's the meeting. a powerful example of how to deal with very uh, sensitive, very uh, significant issues 
in the life of a community. Right. Come together as a group and work it out. Now, good decisions don't necessarily come from group committees either. Oh, that's absolutely true. Just because a group gathers uh, to make a decision is no guarantee that the decision is going to be good. Mm. There are so many factors that uh, uh, come into play in group decision making, factors of design and social dynamics. And unless, uh, unless leaders deliberately look at those kinds of things, groups will not automatically make good decisions. Right. Okay. They might, but they won't automatically. Group process is, is a, a very... Um, um, a very important aspect for leaders, pastors, I would think particularly, to understand. Right, okay. Now, Lowell, there, there are some decisions that can be made which are disappointing by groups and, and ineffective and perhaps even inappropriate. I wonder if we could spend a little time exploring how to avoid making those disappointment, uh, disappointing decisions and we might do better if we come back after the break where we can explore that more effectively. So stay with us. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is effective boards and committees for your church. And our guest is Dr. Lowell Cooper. Now, Lowell, Church boards, other committees, they don't necessarily enjoy a good reputation. No, they don't. <laughs> a lot of people dread them and it's a case of, oh no, not another board meeting. Yeah, we kind of shrug our shoulders about the idea of uh, group meetings. Yeah. I suppose because there are, there are several generalized impressions about group meetings, committees or boards. One of them, I suppose, is that we use a lot of time, or the use of our time does not correspond to the value of the decision. We've used this much time, mm -hmm. but we got this as a decision out of it. So there's, there's this idea that meetings are really ineffective in terms, or inefficient at mm. least, in terms of time. Yeah, and often there can be quite a deal of discussion and, and that result is so small yes. at, at the end. And that, that can lead to frustration, can't it? Indeed, a great deal of frustration. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. uh, uh, I, think it, I think it happens because there isn't a clear perception on the part of the group going into the meeting about the purpose of the meeting. Yeah. In fact, I, I think that's one of the, uh, one of the techniques that uh, very good meeting leadership cares for is at the start of the meeting explain what is the purpose what will be the measure of success of this meeting many times we don't have that perception in mind as we start out yeah yeah now there's there's also this well-known phrase the elephant in the room and oftentimes in our church boards and committees there can be a major issue that we we're tentative to approach and we're nervous to approach. And even though the discussion can be long and elaborate, we're still not addressing the real issue that's confronting the board. It does, is that a, a common occurrence in a board? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there are many times when the most difficult uh, subject to talk about 
is not something that can be brought into the discussion. Um, it can be, for various reasons, uh, relationships uh, prevailing among members of the board or relationships really that don't, uh, productive relationships that don't prevail. Mm. It, it may be that uh, there is just a lack of information about how to deal with a sensitive topic. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's very challenging for groups to know how to deal with dissent mm. in a group. We're uncomfortable with that. Yeah, I, you know, I myself like a meeting where there's a good spirit and uh, uh, a good uh, sense of joy and camaraderie and we reach a decision with a great deal of unanimity. It's much more difficult to be in a meeting where the issue is very sensitive and very polarizing. That is difficult for us to deal with. It is, isn't it? it because it, in, in some respects, there's almost a, a, a challenge to our Christian experience. Surely, you know, the, the attitude is, as it goes, is we've got to get on together and we've got to be of one accord. But sometimes there can be those differences which stretch us. We, we, we place a lot of value on the idea of unity mm -hmm. and togetherness. And sometimes we're not sure how to how to express dissent or how to explore options on a question without becoming disagreeable. There are ways to do that, but yeah. I, I, I don't think that many times we, we explore the training or, or deliberately think about how to look at options or other viewpoints. Mm. And it can be, end up that I'm disagreeing with you rather than commenting on a proposal that you may have voiced. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you think one of those issues that might cause that is, for example, a lack of information that some of the board members just don't have adequate information on a particular I, I think many times this, this is a problem in, in groups that we've come together to make a decision for which we are basically unprepared. There hasn't been enough work ahead of time or enough time taken in the processing of a decision to get adequate information. Can you give us an example of where a committee, the lights, figuratively speaking, have come on when, when the information has been provided and, and a, a clear path can be defined by the committee? Well, I can think of several examples in, in my own uh, involvement with boards and committees. And what occurs to me is that in almost every case, the big decision could not be made in the space of one meeting. Okay. We had to break down a big decision into some component parts, recognizing that in dealing with each part, we have this big thing in mind, but you can't come to that big decision until you've looked at other parts preparatory to it. You know, I would think, for instance, a building project for a local church would be one of those decisions. You may make a, a decision in concept, but there are so many details and, and pathways of information that need to be addressed in ultimately making the decision, yes, this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. And a decision not just necessarily for those people on the board, but 
a big decision to affect that larger group. That's right. Which affects them in many dimensions. That's right. Yeah. Financially, spiritually, their family and so forth. Mm, relationally in every way. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Okay. Now, it's important as well that each person on the board has a clear understanding of the mission and the values and the direction that the church wants to go. Tell us about the importance of that, Lyle. So many times it, 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 it's possible that in group meetings we're dealing with single decisions, mm -hmm. not understanding how they relate to a bigger picture. I like to think of it as trying to put a puzzle together when all the pieces are turned over and you only see the back side of the piece all the same color mm -hmm. and you have no idea what the whole picture is about. So you're dealing with one decision but how does it relate to all of the other decisions that we need to make? Okay, yeah, so it's, it's seeing the big picture and having an awareness. And, and that really is the, the onus of that on the chairman or on each person of the group to, to make sure that they've, they've got the, the, the whole picture. Well, I think probably a large part of the responsibility rests with the chairperson. But I think it also, uh, you know, sits on the shoulders of every member of a group. Do I understand the responsibility of this group? What is this group expected to do? Mm -hmm. What is the mission of the organization we are serving? What are its values? If I can be clear on that, mm -hmm. then I can perhaps be helpful in reaching decisions. Right, okay. Now, in this component of, of the program, we've looked at some of the challenges that a board faces. What I'd like to do is solve some of those challenges. Oh, I'll be glad to work on that with you. If we could come back after the break and explore Surely. how these challenges can be solved and fixed. Okay. Thanks, Lyle. Stay with us. We'll be right back with those solutions. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is effective boards and committees for your church. And our guest is Lowell Cooper. Now, Lowell, in that last segment, we looked at some of the challenges that can be faced with boards and committees and groups and so there forth. There are many complaints. Yes. All right. Let's solve some of those. What, what can we do to make those committees good and effective and just a well-oiled machine? Well, I think, I like to think that there are uh, perhaps two groups of things that we can address as leaders of committees and groups. And one I would uh, call as the design elements for a meeting. The other we'd call social dynamics. But let's look at some of the design elements. First of all, and I, I think this is critically important, is that we have competency-based membership in our groups. Okay. Um, many times we think about, uh, about having representation, you know, of, of the constituency or representation of the, the, the church family. But the question is also when we are uh, establishing a committee or setting up a board, do we have people with the competencies 
that are able to address the responsibilities given to this committee. Mm. So rather than just picking a person, that we've got to make sure the right person is on the right committee. I, I think it's important that we, we look at, we deliberately ask the question, what is the range of competencies we need? You know, we can have a lot of good people, mm -hmm. but if all the good people have the same competency, there may not be a sufficient range of competencies to address the issues that this group needs to deal with. Right. So I think from a leadership standpoint, it's very important uh, to look at the design of committee memberships from that standpoint. Not that we are trying to, um, you know, to rig the membership in such a way that guarantees a certain outcome. Instead, we're looking at having people who have the skills or the information or the experience to participate in this group decision-making process. Okay. Can I just throw something at you here? For example, the the local church board, it's normally comprised of people by virtue of their position in the church. Would it, are you suggesting that we should have some extra people on the board um, to, to broaden the competency if those competency factors aren't already within the, the, the board itself? I think that's extremely important. Uh, now, if, you know, if it cannot be done by having board members with, with a sufficient range of competency, then I think it's important for the group to invite people who can bring those competencies to specific instances of decision-making so that we have deliberately taken the responsibility of being on this group and addressed what we call the, the, fiduciary the fiduciary obligations of trustees. Tell us a little about that phrase just before we move on. Uh, fiduciary <laughs> obligations are often uh, mistaken for financial obligations. It means uh, the group is responsible for spending money appropriately. Mm -hmm. Well, that's only part of it. Fiduciary obligations refers to the responsibilities that a group has to act in the interest of someone else. So it's almost like a stewardship assignment. And there are three categories of fiduciary obligations. The duty of care, that is that the group, the group must exercise care in reaching decisions. They cannot just do things carelessly. They mm -hmm. have to act as responsible people. They have to act uh, uh, on the basis of information. They have to rely on trustworthy sources of getting information. So there's the duty of care, there's the duty of loyalty. That means that the group in its decision making has to be loyal to the objectives of the organization that is serving, the mission of the organization, its vision, its values, mm. and so forth. And the third category for fiduciary obligation is the duty of obedience. The, the group has to be obedient to the laws of the land, for instance, mm. Mm. and the policies of the organization. Those, those three elements of responsibility, I think, require training. And that's another design uh, feature in how to have effective uh, meetings, group meetings, is that we train people in 
the nature of their responsibilities. What is the range of decisions that this group is likely to be called upon to address? But how do we go about that? Mm. When we have people who have been trained about the purpose of a, of a group or, or a board, they understand its mission, its vision, its values. They understand their responsibilities to the organization. They are, they are better able then to address the responsibility. Right, okay. And the preparation for a meeting, how important is that? And, and what goes into a well-prepared meeting? A lot okay. of right. time and attention. Um, you know, there are things like, <clears throat> have, have, have we gathered the information that is necessary for the group to be able to make a decision? Mm. I think another very important thing is, have we looked at the sequence of agenda items for the meeting? Now, I'll give you, uh, you know, an example of, of things. This is, again, a thing that is often a complaint, is that the most important issue on the agenda is put last mm. in the sequence of things. And it comes at a time when people, the members of the group, are beginning to think beyond the time of the meeting. You know, their next assignment, where they're going from here and so forth. They're, they're, they're looking at their clock, mm -hmm. at their watch, and they realize that, you know, we're coming to the end of time. And yet, this is the most important. This is the thing we came to work on. Yeah. And we've spent our time on little, uh, little bits of less important information. So I think from the standpoint of design, the leader of a board or a committee would be well advised to put the, the most important thing up near the front of the agenda. It may not be the opening thing, but it needs to be near the front of the agenda because that's the time when the members are freshest yeah. in terms of their minds, their energy, and their focus. And it also is the time when the committee is most likely to discuss the item thoroughly. Right. Um, oftentimes when it's at the end, conversation is, is short, sweet. As you mentioned, people are wanting to get out the door. And that's really when you need to discuss the issues. And yet it's curtailed. It, it can also uh, lead to mistrust in leadership uh, if, if there's a perception that the agenda has been manipulated in such a way that there's not enough time to satisfactorily, adequately explore all of the dimensions of this particular question and, and, and we're rushed towards a decision. Yeah, yeah. Now in a local church board setting, Lowell, who, who would you see as key people in preparing the agenda and preparing for, for that board meeting? Well, if we're talking about a board or a committee, I would think the person who serves as the chairperson uh, mm -hmm. certainly has to be in the know yeah. of, of, uh, of the information and be sure that there is sufficient information with which to address this. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there are other people, um, you know, it may be uh, the head elder, it may be the superintendent of a department or the leader of a department, depending on the nature of the decision. Those who are going to be key players in the implementation of the decision should be the ones to make sure that sufficient information is available for making a decision. Right, okay. Now, the actual meeting facility itself is important. What, what makes a good facility to, to develop those good decisions? 
That's another design issue and, and mm-hmm. you know, something we can do in designing for success of uh, board and committee meetings. I think a good meeting place is one where there's adequate lighting, mm-hmm. everybody is able to hear, mm-hmm. everyone is able to see each other. You know, that, that can't always happen in a large crowd because we often use auditorium style seating. But I think in boards and committees, wherever we can arrange the seating arrangements so that everyone can see everyone else, mm-hmm. uh, where the temperature of the room is conducive to comfort yeah. and so forth. These are just, they sound like such, you know, little things, but they are very important mm. in how groups work. Because when somebody becomes uncomfortable in the room, for whatever reason, I can't hear or I can't see, uh, it affects how we participate in decision making. It affects our, our relationship to the leadership of the group and, and indeed our reactiveness to group process. Yeah. Now, moving on from the board, what, what about afterwards? What, what about living with the decisions of the board in a community, like in a, a local church? Because there can be disagreements. Have you got any words of wisdom for us on how to, to, to live beyond that board Perhaps if there's been a bit of conflict in that board. Well, you know, in, in the process of, of valuing democracy, mm-hmm. uh, democracy basically says that everybody has a part in arriving at a decision. And the decisions of the majority become the decisions of the group. That means that even if I disagreed in the process of arriving at the decision, I disagreed, I voted against the proposal on the board, Mm -hmm. but the majority of the board voted in favor of it, that decision is also my decision, even if I disagree with it. Mm -hmm. It's my decision because I was part of the group. Mm -hmm. I I should say, really, it's the group decision, and I respect it as the group decision, even though I differed with it. And, and I have to be faithful to that uh, even after the meeting. If I'm uncomfortable with it, I, you know, I, I, can, I can express my discomfort, but I have to be respectful of the group decision. Thanks very much, Lyle. Making church boards and committees more effective in your local church, it's no easy task, but we appreciate your insights today. Thank you. Thank you. We want to thank you for joining us. If you'd like to know more about this topic and, in fact, other topics of ministry, come and visit us on our website, ministryinmotion.tv. But until next time, God bless you.